0: Praise the Lord of all. the Lord. It is good to be in the house of the yes. Lord. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord is not shocked at what's happened today. No. The Lord's always in charge. Yes. 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 He's here today to meet every need. Paul declared, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches. And if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2. I will begin reading in verse 1 of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. For a few moments tonight, I want to talk to you about a subject that the Lord gave me over nine months ago. And I have been waiting for the right time to share with you what God shared with me. And I think tonight is that time. Before you're seated tonight, I need to read you something. We had a message in tongues this morning. The interpretation didn't come. I had it, but the Lord wouldn't let me release it. See, this has been a continuous day. Something started today, and as it began to progress we discovered something that happened as a result of the way we came to church. And every time we come to church this way, you will see the same results. Can I read it to you? I have seen your faithfulness. You will always come into my presence unclean. Because this day you created an altar of repentance, your uncleanness was removed. You were washed by the word through your songs that came from my word. Then you entered my sanctuary clean. You felt liberty to worship because you connected my word and my spirit at the altar of worship. This produced holiness in your life which you allowed true worship. You have now become holy to enter my throne room called grace. I will supply all of your needs according to my wealth that belongs to me. Because we started with repentance and then we entered his presence. We went to a labor, but today it wasn't the preached word. It was the word of songs. And I watched this morning as every song was from scripture. It didn't quote scripture, but every song had the word of God in it. And as a result of the word of God being here, You can't show up at the house of God clean. The purpose of God's house has always been to wash us. We come into His presence out of a world that makes us unclean. So you're never clean when you get here. It's an impossibility. So God created a way that the instant we enter His presence and repent... Then a cleansing process starts. Because repentance takes you from being unclean and starts introducing you to being clean. When you're washed by the Word, now you have become clean. And that allows you into the holy place where you now have the ability to join Spirit and Word together and stand in front of an altar called incense And when you stand in front of that altar called incense, you now have left being clean, and you've stepped into holy. And at that point, you are in the holy, righteous presence of God. And every time we come into God's house that way, you can expect to see what you saw today when our songs reflect His Word, and when our worship... See, we're going to get here dirty. You can't get to this house clean. You live in a world that's unclean. Just walking through it contaminates you. So when you get here, when we create that altar of repentance at the beginning, and we start repenting, then the the cleansing starts taking place. And I, I go from being unclean... And that process of cleansing my life, and as I am affected by the Word, which happened in song today. And as I'm affected by the Word, and it cleanses me, then it allows me into the holy place. Now the Jews thought God was so holy, man couldn't approach Him. But God never intended for man not to get to Him. He just had to have a way of getting Him holy enough. In the Old Testament, if they'd walked in there without being clean, they'd died the moment they got in presence or oh, you can't process it allowed them into his holy presence or oh, you can't make yourself holy but when you worship and you go through this process god's created and you start entering through repentance and you start entering through worship and uh, worship of the word and you're washed by the word that that empowers you to take word and spirit and combine those two together. You can't get them out of balance. You can't have all Word or all Spirit. you got to keep them both together. And when you keep both Word and Spirit together, it allows you to step in front of the altar of incense, and true worship starts. And Paul declares that standing at the new altar of incense, there's no veil to get past, because it was written in twain from top to bottom. So now, standing at an altar called incense, you just get to walk around the altar right into the righteous presence of God. And now you are standing in a throne room called grace. And in that throne room called grace, you can discover the answers to every problem that you have. You can discover the the way to change every issue in my life. It's there in the throne room called grace. As you walk into that throne room called grace, Paul said, that you may obtain mercy. Mercy is laying everywhere. When you walk around the altar of incense, it's not about you've been a good person today or all week or all month. And it allows you in His presence because you've just done what God wanted you to do to get clean. Now you can enter a throne room called Grace full of mercy and you pick up, you obtain, you take m- mercy in your hand. And as you pick up mercy, it gives you a revelation of the beauty and loveliness of God because that's what grace means. Charles is his beauty, his loveliness and what his desire is for us. You may be seated. In a few days, we will mark the anniversary of an event that happened in our city that has not been recorded in the history of man. History has not recorded a 500-year flood, but we saw it. We saw the power of water. We saw the power of a storm. God taught us real quick that it would only take 40 days to flood the earth because in four days, we've already got 54 inches. And it wasn't raining hard all four days because there were times it let up. And as that event happened, you know, sometimes God needs to get us somewhere else, but we're not comfortable going there. Because it's a little stressful. And so time takes place and God's wanting me to go somewhere else. I'm afraid of the change. And so he sends things along that gives me no other opportunity but to go there. There's a pastor over in East Texas... That just a year or so ago, for years, he's been preaching that the Lord gave a desire to build a new church. And we're going to build it right over there, right through that wall. And he just kept saying, okay, we're going to do it. Now, 20 years down the road, it's still, we're going to build it right over there. we got the plans, everything's ready. But nobody could pull the trigger until that event took place. Well, six months before that event took place, a preacher was standing in that pulpit about to preach. And he said, as I stepped in the pulpit, he told me this yesterday. As I stepped in the pulpit to start delivering my sermon, I heard the wind start blowing. And as I heard the wind blow, he said, I, I, I instantly saw a vision. And I turned the pastor... I said, you have said you're going to build, aren't you? He said, yes. He said, I see rain coming through the roof of this church. It's pouring like a river. You will be forced to do what you said God's told you to do because you were afraid to move. Sometimes God has to make it so uncomfortable for us before we're really willing to take that next step God is going to have revival in the last days that is a fact that is going to happen now whether you or I are part of that revival that's going to be our choice if we understand what God is preparing to do then you will start seeing the revival that you're wanting to see so I begin to study the influence of wind in the Bible. I, 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 there are so many examples. And for the sake of time tonight, I'm not going through all of them. But I will mention a few of them. It starts in the garden. In the garden, we, we discover that God showed up to talk with Adam. And apparently, it was a daily experience. It says, in the cool of the day. God walked with Adam in the garden. They had a conversation. So God creates Adam for one reason. That reason is to have a conversation. He wants to be able to talk to him. He's called the son of God. God created a family that he could relate to. And so he has this relationship with God. What we don't understand... Is that in the Hebrew language, the description of that event is not the way we picture it. We, we picture God walking and, and we see some kind of image of God walking through the garden talking to Adam through an image. But that's not what the Hebrew says. It was not an image that they saw. It was the wind blowing in the evening. It was the evening wind that they heard blow, and when they heard the wind start blowing, they always knew the voice of God would be next. Because God was there, and He was about to move in their life through the process of the wind blowing. When we go to the Red Sea, we discover it was a wind that separated that sea and allowed them to go through on dry ground. It wasn't just a mild wind. If you look at it scientifically, the only way that a wind could separate water the way it did would not be a lateral wind, but it had to be a downdraft wind where the wind was blowing from above to beneath to separate that them cross. If they didn't just separate it only a few feet wide to allow them cross. If there were four million Jews at that river or at the Red Sea at the, at the crossing three and a half to four, if they had went across two by twos, it would have taken them at least 10 years to get across. For them all to get across one night, the hole in the Red Sea had to be so wide that they could walk across at least 5,000 in line Side by side, not behind each other. So the each line, if you lined them up, had to be at least 5,000 people across. It had to be a five-mile-wide strip of water, separated, just to get Israel across in one night. And you say, well, we have no evidence that happened. Well, that's a lie. Over the last few years, people doing scuba diving in the Red Sea, started discovering things on the bottom of the Red Sea that had strange formations. They were all in circles with spokes running back towards the center, and there were rods sticking straight up in the air. Now, when they examined them, there was nothing there but coral. But as they began to study its effect, they discovered that what was inside the coral had decayed with time, but the coral had left proof that the chariots of Pharaoh wound up on the bottom of the Dead Sea. They're not on one side of the Red Sea. They start on one side, and you can follow them all the way across the Red Sea to the other side. That video is on YouTube if you want to find it look at it. God opened up through wind, and He brought a downdraft that would hit the earth and push the water aside. And it pushed the water Wide enough for all three to four million of them to get across. Not just people. They had their cattle. They took everything Egypt owned. They had their gold, their silver. They had their cherry, They had everything they owned. They gave it to them to get rid of them. Get out of here. You've what caused us problems. We release you. God provided a wind that allowed that to happen. It was a wind that came to Elijah the prophet that let him know that God was on his side. The wind didn't produce it, but after the wind blew, the voice of God spoke. And as a result, he understood that the wind blowing was a sign God was about to move. When you follow it through the Bible, you'll discover that on multiple occasions, I I tried to find all of them today. And it's difficult to line them up. Because some stories are the same in two different books. But but it appears that at least four times. In the life of the apostles. They were in a predicament with the wind blowing. At least four occasions. They're on a sea. And the wind starts blowing. And they almost drown. As a result of the wind blowing. They were awed by the fact that Jesus stepped into the bow of the boat. And in the first incident, he just said, Peace, be still. And the wind quit blowing, and the waves settled, and instantly they were on the other shore, and they found the demon of Gadara. In the other event, they're in the middle of the storm, and Jesus is not with them. He sent them away. So now they're by themselves. And as the wind began About the fourth watch, the wind begins to howl, their ship's going down. And they look about the fourth watch, which is midnight to 2 o'clock in the morning. And on the waters, they see an image coming at them that terrifies them. They're they're ready. They don't know what's happening or what's here. And then they hear the voice of Jesus speak and say, don't be afraid. It's just me. And Peter says, if it's really you, then tell me to come. Jesus said, come. Peter walked on the water until he realized the hill he was climbing was a wave, not ground. And when he saw the wind, it caused him to panic and he forgot what he was doing. He started sinking and then he begs, Jesus, please save me. And Jesus picks him up, puts him back on top of the water and walks him back to the boat. He's not beside the boat when he sinks. He's a distance from the boat. So Jesus makes him walk right back across that water and get in the boat. And they're terrified again. What kind of man has the power to control the wind and the waves? Then the day of Pentecost shows up. The wind is a sign. Why? Because in the beginning when God created Adam, how did Adam become a living soul? God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and God breathed on Adam, and as a result of the breath of God, Adam becomes a living soul. On the day of Pentecost, when the second birth is about to take place, it can't happen without the breath of God showing back up to breathe on them again. And as the breath of God breathed on them, they all began to speak in a language they had never learned in their lives as the Spirit gave them the utterance, and the wind began to blow. The wind is a product of the atmosphere. It's produced by two kinds of atmosphere getting close together, a high pressure and a low pressure. As high pressures get close enough to low pressures, there is a movement of air from the high because the high is pushing air to the ground. The low lets air rise to the, to, to the heights. The greatest storms are produced by the, high, the lowest of lows. The tallest storms can only happen when the when the atmospheric pressure gets lower and lower and lower and lower. And when it gets to those real low points, the clouds can be 70, 80, 100,000 feet in the air. They're out of the air, the earth's almost out of the earth's atmosphere as a result of this low that's produced. What you get from a high is a desert, barrenness, and dryness. Highs will never produce anything in life. The only thing that life produces or that produces life is a low. And without a low, you can't have life. So we experienced a low. It didn't hit us. It hit a little bit south. But that low pressure started causing rain to start coming. And as a result of the rain, all of a sudden, we have all this issue as this water starts rising but every time you see a major event where God uses wind, you will always find a major move of God's Spirit shortly following. So as God began to blow, He opened the door for... I remembered reading the story some years ago and reading... I, I remembered reading the story of elephants and their ability to communicate and and it got my attention. And so today I... I jumped back online and I, I start trying to find that article and I couldn't find it, but found other information about elephants. Elephants are creatures that have the ability to produce multiple types of sound. They can produce the trumpet sound, which is actually a warning, which is to say, don't come here, It's a it, it's a warning of danger, it's a warning to other creatures that that you don't want to mess with us. It's, it's a sound of a high note that lets others know danger is about to happen. But when they want to communicate with each other, they don't use high sounds. They use low sounds. And the low sounds that they can produce, the human ear has the ability to hear lows uh, uh, about 5 decibels or 5 megahertz. As and up to 20,000 megahertz. Now we are we're awed by the singer that can hit the high C, because there are few of them that can ever get to that point to get that note that's way up there, and there have been very few of them in time. But the problem with hitting notes that are high. Is all you can hear is the sound, not the message. Words are not distinguishable at a high note. All it is is noise. Why? Because your vocal cords have to get so tight, they would, you you could bounce a quarter off of them. I mean, they're just so tight so that they vibrate in such a rapid form and the amount of energy to produce a high note is incredible people who sing high notes according to what my daughter told me today have to use their head to get to that high note they have to use their nasal cavity and often they will use their face to help them get that high note and a lot of times to get the real high one they have to smile but the high note can't be kept for a very long period of time because of the energy required to get there. Now when you get there, nobody understands your message because words are not distinguishable. You, you can, you can make the sound go there, but you're not going to produce one word when you're way up there on the high. And why is it us Pentecostals think we gotta have highs? That we're always looking for the high. Matter of fact, in Pentecostal churches, if we don't have a high, we haven't had church. All highs produce is noise with no definition of what's happening, where we're going, what's gonna take place next. Because the sound is all there is. And that sound is irritating to the human ear. If it's not, then why can't it fracture glass? It's not just irritating the human body. It's irritating to nature. It will literally shatter the glass if you can hit that high C. Now here's... Here's what T. What's the lowest one? The low note, and I I don't even know what it is. But client T. What's the lowest one? Hey, humans can't get there because for the low note to happen, your vocal cords have to become as loose as possible. They have to be so relaxed that the vibration is very gentle. It takes a long, on the bass, it takes a long string to produce the bass sound. On an old piano, the high C is a string about this long. And the tighter, the shorter it is and the tighter you can get it, then that's when you get the sound. The bass, oh, that string is on the other end, and it's the longest string in the piano. Because it vibrates, its wavelength is very long, its amplitude is short, requires very little energy to produce. Now, one of the things I I, I, I noticed about God's creation when when elephants use the low notes, they can be heard six miles away. Elephants basically run in families. They don't run in herds. They're all the same family. And as a family, sometimes they break up in little units. The sound of that sound can cover 110 square miles. So no matter where they're at, if mama signals the child come home, the child starts trying to follow the sound back to the home Because it knows mama's over there somewhere. See, it's the low notes of life that bring revival. It's not the high notes. Why? Because it's the low notes that bring families together. It's the high notes that drive them apart. It's the low notes that's a signal to family it's time to meet. There's a battle going on. And the males don't often go with the females. And so the moment a female senses danger or trouble, she just calls to a mate. And that mate may be six miles away, but in a very short period of time, it's beside her and it's there to do battle. So God has created a structure that if we will follow it, then God's going to show up and God's going to do his part for us. Because we have done our part. When we follow His plan and we create the structure right, it's not an accident or it's not unusual or it's it's not just one of those things that happen occasionally. It will always happen every time you get the structure in order. So if you can get the structure correctly and you keep the altar in place... And you have the altar where it goes so that when we come to his house, we're all going to get here unclean. That's the only way we're going to get here. We won't get here righteous. We won't get here holy. You can only get to the house of God unclean because you touch something dead. How many dead things have you touched? Well, if you ate a meal, you touched a dead thing. So if you had supper before you got to church, you just eat. You've you've handled death, and that made you unclean. There were all kinds of plan that made us unclean, but it's the tabernacle, it's the worship plan that gets us into the presence of God. And occasionally, God starts sending out a sound. It's a very low note. Matter of fact, low notes come from the heart. They're produced by the diaphragm. Low notes are not produced by the head. You can't get the lowest of bass sounds out of the nasal passage. you got to get it out of the diaphragm. And as I was reading about it today, one guy said he could teach you how to get the lowest of note. And what you had to do is learn how to stand with one hand on your stomach and the other one above it, just above your stomach, and learn how to feel your diaphragm as you breathe. And if you could ever discover your diaphragm moving, it let you get to the lowest of notes. Our world wants highs, and that's all we're looking for. And that's why they all live in burning things, because highs... California is under high right now, and what's going on in their state? It's burning from one end to the other. Because it happens every summer. Why? Because of a high. If there's a low there, it's gonna rain. It'd put the fire out. But if you want the fire, then just find the high spot. Stay around there long enough. It'll all dry up, and when it's dead and dry, you're gonna get a high note. And now you're gonna get the fire. If you want to hear the call of God, you better be willing to go to the lows of life. And yea, though I walk through the valley, not the mountain, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It's through the valley, not the mountain. See, mountains can only give you a perspective of where you've been or where you're going, depending on which side you're on. When you reach the top, you can see where you got, where you come from. The moment you start down the other side, you can only see where you're going. Nothing grows on the mountain. Anybody been to the Rockies? You ever go to those really high ones? You ever drive up one of them? I drove a Continental bus up one that time with a bunch of kids in it, Flagstaff, Arizona. I think it was 16, 18,000 feet high, 16-something. There's a place you get where the trees don't grow. It's called the tree line. Nothing grows there. There's no life there. It's just rocks. Nothing more. But that's where we want to live. When you get to that high place in life, you can't hear the call of God. You can't hear God say to his kid. You hear that real low sound that's a reminder. Time to come to the house of God. What was the instrument that Israel used to get people the house of God? What's it called? It's called a shofar. What's it made from? A long horn. Most of them are about this long. And when they're blown, they don't produce high sounds. It's that low, rumbling sound that comes out of there, reminding them it's time to come to the house of the Lord. See, revival is going to happen. It is. The wind's blowing. It has been prophesied that Houston, Texas would be the site of a revival in the last days. T.W. Barnes years ago and before his death prophesied that revival would come from this city. It's been prophesied on the west coast at Azusa Street that revival would come from this city. There have been prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy about what's going to happen at the end of time. And I'm here to tell you tonight, the wind's blowing and what you saw sunday by someone coming that received the holy ghost and god healed and as the process their body is starting to get rid of tumors that's not going to be just a a, a casual or or thing that happens on on a uh, maybe once a year or once that's going to become a regular event <laughs> because you get the worship right you get the order of coming in the house of god right you get to the place you understand that it's the voice of God calling us to His house when He gives the call for His family and we respond correctly. We might get through that door feeling like we're the most worthless people in all the world and I don't have a right to be here and, and God doesn't, I, I, he, he shouldn't bless me at all. He doesn't want any of us to come into His house with that idea. Every one of us is unholy the moment I walk through those doors. I've walked with people in my world. Their unrighteousness, their the filth of their life, I, I have been affected by. And this is the place where you can get clean. One of the things, if you notice this morning about what happened in service, is there was the purest of spirits you've ever felt. As the Spirit of God began to move Because he started washing things away. And that's what he wants to do. You felt it tonight just as well. Why? Because we created the right atmosphere. We we got we we worshiped through the word. And the word was what refreshed us and washed our sins away. It's it's what washes us when we come to the house of God. It gives us this incredible opportunity to enjoy his holiness. I'm not holy, but because I followed his pl- process of going from unclean to clean and to holy, now I can walk in to his holy, righteous presence. And whatever our need is, he is able to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. He is able to supply all of our needs according God's not going to be bankrupt by what he does for us, but he's just waiting for his kids to hear the call and show back up at the house. And when they get the house and they come in correctly, all kinds of stuff's going to start happening. You're going to start seeing things take place that I, I remember as a kid, we had a cancer in a, in a glass jar sitting on the pool pill. We had crutches on the wall. There were churches that had wheelchairs, crutches, all. That was common in the 30s and 40s and 50s. We saw incredible miracles. Our pastor's granddaughter had a cancer on the side of her face that had grown through her skull and attached itself to her brain. My mom had been healed of cancer when I was six. And a few years later, this granddaughter shows up with this horrible cancer. They brought her to our church on Sunday night. I remember that. And everybody gathered around. I was seven or eight years of age, but I'll never forget what I felt that night. And they, they brought her to the front. They gathered around her. They began to pray. Now, we didn't see any mighty miracle that night. We, we didn't see that thing disappear. They got in a car and drove back to Fort Worth or Dallas, Texas, where they lived, to our journey, took her home. Monday, still the same. Tuesday, she was running through the house. And as she's running through the house, that cancer turned loose of her face and her brain and fell off roots and all on the floor. Now she's got this huge hole in the side of her face. It had eaten through the bone. There's actually a hole you can see in the skull. They had to take her to doctor to get all that covered. Family picked up cancer, put it in a jar, and put formaldehyde on it. and set on the pulpit of my church when I was a kid. Because that's what God has done for us in the past. And that is what God has to do today. When when we sing songs, one of the things God instructed Israel was you're to remind me of my promises to you. So when they came to the house of God, they would say, Moses, Aaron would often say, okay, God, I am praying this prayer because you told me to. And I am reminding you that you made a covenant with us. And because of that covenant, You're obligated to do this. God doesn't have a problem with us saying those. That's why that prayer is quite incredible. Because what you're doing is simply saying back to God what God told Moses do. You just remind me this is what I have told you to do. This is my instructions to you. And if you'll just, every time you come, remind me. Every time the high priest went into the Holy of only on the Day of Atonement, He reminded God, I'm doing this because you told us to do it. He quoted the scripture. That's what God expects out of us. See, God didn't have a problem with us reminding him, okay, God, you said, you promised, and you have never violated your promise. God's faithful. He's never violated a promise. Now, Israel violated their promise on a regular basis. They violated their covenant on a regular basis. But God never violated His covenant. Has God blessed Jacob or Abraham's kids? How much has He blessed them? Well, He's blessed them to the point they probably control at least half of the wealth of the world. Now, tell me, God don't keep His promise. I'll bless them that bless thee. I'll curse them that curse thee. Through thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And God's kept His promise in spite of the atheists that rose up among them that don't even believe in Him. He still keeps blessing them because He made a covenant with them. And Jesus made a covenant with us. And that covenant was, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so you can mark it down. That God is going to be with you every step of your life. There's not a day of your life going to take place. God's not there. There's no place you're going to go. But you just need to be sensitive to when God starts speaking. And it must be a really low note that you start hearing His rumble as He as He tries to get you back to the house of God. And when you get here, all He's expecting out of you is simply repent. When you show up, Find you an altar and say, God, I'm the chiefest of sinners. I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. And now as you begin to be washed by the Word, whether it's through song or through the preached Word, that washing now allows me to now be clean. Now I can go into the holy place and I can enjoy the table of shoe bread. I can enjoy the... the in, the Holy Ghost and its influence, its power, my I I can I can partake of the Holy Ghost. I can let the Holy Ghost live in my life. and when I do, then it gives me this ability to start worshiping. And when I worship because I came in right, it'll allow me to become holy. And when I get into that place, now I get to see his beauty. And His loveliness. I see a God that loves me more than anything. I see a God that thinks more of me than anything in the world. I see a God that's always there. He's never forsaken me. Please stand. I'm through. A few years ago, I was in Terre Haute, Indiana, speaking at a conference. It's probably been six years now, maybe been seven. Friday night service lasted long. I get in my car to drive back to the hotel and my, I'd left my cell phone and vehicle, turned it on, there's a message. So I punched the message and what I hear is heartbreaking. I hear the voice of my friend that a lot of you know because he spent several years around Life Tabernacle as a young person. He was responsible for a lot of the young people out of the Dolby revival. He taught them search for truth, connected with them, became a big part of their life. His name's Ron Erpelding. I hear his voice. He said, Brother Hughes, I need you. My son he been killed in a car wreck today. He died with me holding him in arms. I need you. I just cried out, Jesus, I can't get to my friend. Please wrap your arms around him. Let him feel your comfort. God chastised me. He said, son, what kind of father you think I am? I was holding him when he left this world. I've been there from the beginning. I made a promise to you. I'm with you always. So it doesn't matter what valley you walk through. I'm with you. He keeps his promise. He keeps His promise. He's faithful. Lo, I am with you always. Even. He knows the path I take. The psalmist said he, he knows when I sit down. He knows when I get up. If I take the wings of the morning, fly to the uttermost parts of the sea. Essence. I bet in hell. Thou art there. Where can I flee from your presence? I can't hide from you, God. See, a lot of times that brings guilt to our lives, but it should bring incredible joy and courage because no matter where I'm at, no matter where I go in life, the promise is He's going to be there. And He's always with us. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, He concluded. My soul knoweth right well. My I, My my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in lowest parts of the earth. There did thine eyes see my members. And in thy book you wrote all my members, when as yet there was none of them. See, God's been on your trail since the day you were conceived. And the day you were conceived, he starts tracking your life. And in his book, he wrote all your members. God's not shocked that at 67, I look like I do. He's not shocked I've lost my hair and my skin sagging, got all kinds of bumps places they never were before. He's not shocked at all at all this stuff that's transpired. Because in his book, he wrote all my members when as yet there was none of them. That can only happen at conception within 30 seconds you go from one cell to two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64, 128, 200. It just keeps rapidly multiplying. So the only time there's nothing is the instant of conception. And you took your book out, wrote down the history of my life from the cradle to the grave and, and you detailed everything I'd ever go through. It's all written in your book. How precious are your thoughts on the meal, God? How great is the sum of them? If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. You ever tried to figure out how how much sand there is on the earth? I tried it one day. It got terrifying. I just finally quit. I figured sand three foot deep, a mile wide, five miles long. That's not much sand. There's 30 something miles of sand along Galveston Beach. And that whole island's nothing but sand. It's at least three hundred foot deep. I only counted three foot deep, mile wide, five miles long. And when I put all the numbers together, if they're the largest grain of sand you could find, which is about a thirty-second of an inch cube, you'd have over one point one seven times ten to the sixteenth power grains of sand. We don't even have a number to call it by. And I hadn't even started counting sand. If you stuck them in the in it's twenty-seven round trips from it's three point five billion miles. Twenty-seven round trips to the sun, eleven hundred round trips to the moon, and you hadn't even started counting. How much does God think about you? How do you think God don't know where you're at? What's going on in your life? He's just sending out some rumbles, and those rumbles that he starts sending is a signal. I need my children back home. If my children that got a little scattered would just come back and all get together, all of a sudden you're going to start hearing the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And when that sound begins to blow, I can guarantee you that incredible things are going to start happening through the power of God and the Spirit of God. Gracious Father, thank you tonight for your incredible Word. Lord, thank you for loving me more than I could ever comprehend. God, I pray tonight that we, there will never come, would be sensitive enough to hear the low sound. There will never come that high screeching noise out of your, you, you will never alert us with horrible noise. Your word declares that at the end of time, it will be that noise that lets men know you're here. But today that trumpet has not blown and so that high note has not been reached. But at this point, it's through the low notes of life that you're going to be able to communicate with us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're right beside me. You lead me. You guide me. You know the path I take. There's nothing in my life you're not aware of. There's no issue or problem I go through tonight that you're not well aware of before I ever start the journey through it. And I thank you so much, Jesus, that before I've ever gone through one of those struggles, you've always made sure my tank was full. So I encountered a blessing. I didn't understand where it was coming from or why it was here. But when the blessing was through and the struggle came, then I had the energy to get through that struggle. Thank you today, Jesus. It's those low things of life. It's the issues of life. That calls a little bit of a disturbance. There, there might be lightning and there might be thunder and there might be the rumbling and the wind that blows and, and there may be some chaos, but in the low rumbling sound, there's a peace because I know that you will always keep your promise. You will always keep your promise. God, your word has openly declared that in the last day, there would be a revival of the former reign and the latter reign together. If there were 3,000 folks got the Holy Ghost one day, there's going to be 6,000 at the end of time. If there were 10,000 that got the Holy Ghost one day, there'll be 10,000 at the end of time. God, I know that Your Word is real and true, and Your Word is forever settled. God, I pray tonight that the rumbling that You sent those low notes you've sent us that remind us you're just trying to call the family back together and that we as your family would hear the sound so that we could gather our hearts together and that as our hearts together together that your spirit would then be able to move in that great revival that you promised that's gonna sweep this nation that can start right here in this assembly, God, I pray somebody understands or hears the rumble of the call and decides to make a journey so that the revival you have declared that's gonna happen, that we get to be part of it because you're gonna have that revival whether I choose to be part or not. So you're sending out the call. There's a low rumble coming and it's telling me, I, I, I feel it. I don't hear it because low notes are not heard. They're felt. So I feel that rumble as it affects my heart. And my heart begins to understand. I need some time in your presence, Jesus. My heart begins to understand that I need to be with you. And when I get caught away with you, there's just nothing you will not do in my life. God, I thank you tonight for your incredible presence and spirit. That we have felt tonight Jesus I worship you Jesus There's just none like you I give you glory I give you honor Jesus I bless you today I bless you today I bless you today I bless you today I bless you today, bless you today. What are your needs tonight? He's able God, to supply all our needs How great How great He's just waiting. You for you... If you've heard the rumble, that's pulled you close. Oh, when you respond. God. My God, how great you are. How great, <laughs> how great, how great you are. Yara bahasa,